Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is John Heffron, the kind of comedian who claims he's never had a plan despite starting stand-up when he was only 18, launching a successful business project, and winning last comic standing all by the time he hit 34. A decade later, Heffron remains hard at work on his next stand-up special, headlining comedy clubs across the country. He talked with me about his past in morning radio back in his native Detroit, life when being a road dog feels more like a lone wolf, and the TV pilot he made that could have been the funniest season of Last Comic Standing ever, if only NBC had aired it. So let's get to it. So John Heffron, uh, thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. I'm a, I might crunch a pretzel or two, and you know that's probably bad for podcasts, but that would make like I'm edgy if I crunch pretzels, right? Well, then, I, then I can go to like some comedy festival that's for like comics who crunch, like right? Roll, Don't you have the rolled the rolled gold comedy festival? Yeah, like where you always have With their to, sponsor. Cause yeah, because you you do a lot of stuff, and you obviously on your website and stuff uh, write a lot about comedy. Is uh, right? Don't don't you need a thing now? Do you think everybody's got a thing? I feel like everybody's working an angle. Right. You, you've always had an entrepreneurial streak to you the the whole time I've known you, but not like I'm talking like on stage. Oh, do you know a what gimmick, mean? a thing. Yeah, a catchphrase. Don't, don't you need like a like. Like a like a group or like a, a you know what I mean I've always been lone wolfy just kind of by myself mm. I that's the when I started doing stand up in Detroit I mean there was like that decent comedy scene and you had those friends that you did open mic with but none of them ever left Michigan and you know right uh, but if you started in New York then you have that crew if you started in, in L A at the comedy store that's a crew I saw I th- what am I trying to say yeah. I think if like you're a new comic, do you have to have a crew? Do you oh. think it's smarter now to have oh, a crew th- than to be lone wolf like me? And there's no hope for me now. This is about the younger comics listening. Do you I know what I th- mean? I think it's I think because of social media, it's important to to network more than it ever was. No, I'm talking like with comics. Like if you right. use for, No, I, for I some think reason, even with comics. People like to be labeled. Like if you go uh, you know Joe Rogan's Death Squad comics, right. yeah, the Ari Shafir's, uh, Diaz, like all those guys. Right. They are like in a gang almost. Like you know, not a bad gang, but they're in a gang. So I, I, th- I, I think, you know, I am not. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm gonna crunch pretzels, and I would like to start a gang of comics that, uh, that just, just do that. That just crunch pretzels. Mm. Okay, we don't have to. It's fine, but you, but you, de- you definitely feel like. You don't have a crew. No, I don't want. But I might be. I don't know if I'm too old. You know what I mean? How do you get a crew at this age? I always was of the opinion that that in your regional scene, your crew was the people that you started with. Yeah. And then when you moved to New York or L.A., your crew was the people who also moved to New York or L.A. that same year. You were part oh, of gotcha. kind of like high Almost school like or a college, grad, like yeah. a class. You were a you class. Were a class of whatever. Yeah. So did you feel that way when you moved? Well, you know, it was weird for me because I was in, after college, I moved to Chicago. And then when I lived in Chicago, I probably was doing 150, 200 colleges a year mm-hmm. performing. So when I got to L.A., 
I would I was still doing like that much. So I never like I never felt the need. Now I'm not saying it was a smart idea, but to like hang out at comedy clubs and try to get spots because I performed so much on the road. And that's kind of always been my thing. Okay. So, you know, so you're kind of a road guy, but you're not. But, you know, I never really needed to hang out at, like, any L.A. spots. So I never got that crew. I was never part of that because I was always, and my whole career has been kind of like that. Is that, is Like, that I was, when I did, I, I, I had a, I think I was on, like, Evening at Improv or Tonight Show or something before I did my first Montreal. And I could never do New Faces. Because at the time, because, you had, a TV because you had a TV credit, but they were like little TV credits. But that at the time was right. new faces were like you did nothing. So I was always like too, too known for new faces, even though I wasn't new face, if that makes any sense. And because you're part kind of, of the story of because you're part of a generation of, of comedians between the two comedy booms. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you just kind of I'm definitely not complaining about anything, right. but it's kind of that weird, you know, yeah. So how does how does this life for you at 45 on the road being a road dog compare with the visions you had of your career when you started at 18? One, I'm still doing it. So, you know, you have to give yourself a little bit of credit that you're doing it for, you know, however right. many years and stuff like that. And uh, you know, if you just go dollars and cents, you know, obviously last comic was what I could have peaked at last comic. That right. could have been the only really, but now others I'm not, have Others have, but but I peaked well because it's been, you know, what, 150 years since I was on it, yeah. and I'm still hitting the benefits only because I did stand-up 15 years. With, I was like a, you know, certified headliner before that, like where people on Last Comic Now, and now I'm not shitting on any of them, right. have like a solid 12 minutes, and they did Last Comic with four, and then they go on a Last Comic tour with they're 15 right. and then when that's over there was never that out you know so they, they haven't had to challenge themselves they, yeah so you have that thing and you know i've kind of fallen in, into g good or bad where i do a lot of like corporate events and you know some comics like the pr so like oh that's corporate that's but listen corporate events are just as hard or as you know, as doing a shitty one-nighter you just get paid a lot more right you know, and you get paid crazy money if you're good in the corporate world, you know, and clean. Like, it's, it's crazy money. Well, uh, and that's what I do. <laughs> well, and, th and that, that was like the first thing that I noticed. I met you back in 2001. And back then, you had a very entrepreneurial spirit to you, both in your material. You talked about having companies. Oh, yeah. But yeah. then you also yeah. had companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually had yeah. things like you had a, 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 we had a, a, a card game, a card game that did super well back then, way back then. Yeah. Where did that where did that that entrepreneurial spirit come from? You know what? I've always been, well, you know, in my own mind, other people would beg to differ, but I've always been just creative and mm -hmm. just how my brain works. It's just constantly like we should do this. And then it like some people always go, oh, you always got this get rich quick thing no i just i come up with ideas and then i never follow through so it just seems like i have that you know that the card game that you're talking about is right. a game that me and a buddy created and it was it's a bachelorette party game um just a random hey we should have this deck of cards where the girls have to go find the cartoon guys in real life like the two you know sweaty dancer guy use right. fake id to get in there and for whatever reason, we go, let's try to make these. We found a card company. We printed them on and whatever. And then we went, walked into stores and we asked if you could sell them. And then we're selling them online. But this is pre 
like order fulfillment companies so it was it was kind of a huge pain in the ass to buy something online right and there was a lot of work involved and then we have to put it and package it and go to the thing i mean there wasn't paypal you had to fill out like all this and it was expensive too to take credit cards online um but then drew barrymore uh julia roberts and then glamour magazine did a full page a story on our card game and matched up the cards with famous people like full page glamour i don't know what the dollar value <laughs> would that be but it w- if it were an advertisement it yeah. was insane we went on like the bob and tom radio show and we talked about it and we used to get like an email every time somebody purchased and it was like bing 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 and we sold the next day like why i'm on radio my uh, guy I created with Joe Zimmer was in Los Angeles, so it was like three o'clock in the morning his time, you okay. know, six o'clock right, in your Indiana. Morning, yeah. um, we sold like twenty thousand games in a day, and we, and we had like seven hundred in our garage. Like it was one <laughs> of those we did not know what we were doing, and da da da. And then we eventually figured it out, and then uh, we sold it as a TV show. And then you know we turned twenty five, and our brains went, "I'm gonna do this now." It was one of those one of those things like shit. I wish some business guy would have came along back then and said, "Guys, you guys have something. Well, let's we're gonna we take the you know." Well, nowadays either it would be an app, or you would have gone on Shark Tank. Yeah, no, you could. Or we even thought about bringing it back because it's uh, it's amazing how many people like it. And now we would bring it back and then just like put it on Amazon and then we we would never have to do anything okay you know now what was your comedy career like at that time i was doing i was did comedy all through college um and that order was i was just a really good mc and where I, where i went to college at eastern michigan i was maybe an hour and a half drive from i, I could be wrong on the math here but let's say 15 20 clubs okay you know all john yoda rooms and stuff so I would end up hosting every single week, you know, Wednesday through Saturday, whatever the math was. Um, and I would do that. I would. Ev- I remember driving from Michigan to Cleveland, which is about two hours, hosting, and then jumping back in my car, driving back two hours, and then going to class, and then you know, just. But you're you're 20, like that. Yeah, of course. Why would you not do that? Um, so I did that all through college, and then by the time I got out of college, uh, I had a pretty strong college act. Because that's who I was performing for. Right. So that's why I ended up doing so well at like NACA conventions. And then so I was making like really good money doing that. I Man, I didn't save any of this. But then um, just started headlining and in, in stuff. Um, then moved to LA. And then I was in LA for a chunk. I sold a TV show, did this, that. But I was kind of eating it on stage. Okay. Because this is when the alternative scene was. Yeah, I remember even talking to like Tim Allen's manager. He was like, "You should get in the alternative scene." And it was, I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah." And you know, go to this place where everyone. And it was like Janine Graffalo, uh, you know, Pat Nas, you know. And I, I forgot like them, but I just remember nobody was like asshole to me. But I, it felt like. Remember, like you were in high school, like how how the people who are like on the drama you know, in the drama department right. of high school, real at my high school, really thought they were the king shit and that, you know, had the kind of this attitude, but like nobody that wasn't in drama gave a shit. That's how I felt about that scene. You know what, what, I mean? they, what, what scene were you in in high school? 
Uh, I was, I don't, know, I don't even know. I was that bouncer around, but that's how I fell okay. in that alternative comic-y scene. Okay. Because when I was, you know, when I started off in Michigan, it was all like, you know, this was pre-Def Jam, where the, the crowds would be mixed, and you kind of had to bring it. If you were on stage with like notes or whatever, you'd get like, you'd be killed. So then when I saw those guys looking at notes and they're doing a thing and everybody's not dressed, you know, they're wearing hoodies, you know, or whatever, I just couldn't relate to it. They're super, all like super, super cool. casual. Yeah, nobody, I mean, nobody, I, I would definitely tell you a story if anybody was an asshole to me, but nobody, nobody right. was, just nobody talked to me. So I quickly left like that scene. I was mm -hmm. like, these guys, I want to, fuck this. So then, um, uh, and I was kind of eating it on, on stages. And then I got offered, I may be skipping a couple things, but then I got offered um, to do radio back in Detroit. Right, that was with Danny Bonaducci. Yeah, because I was a local comic at the time, and I was on the old radio thing, and they go, hey, do you want to do this? So, And then they offered me more money than, than I've ed ever seen at that point. So I literally just got an apartment in L.A., and I go, okay. And I drove back to Michigan, kept my apartment in L.A., thinking I was going to, come back to LA every couple of weeks and you know, blah, blah. That never ended up happening. I ended up like being doing radio in Detroit for like five or six years. And you're saying that's wasn't your first time on radio. It was my oh. first and only. Okay. Um, so did you think at that, at that point that this was going to be your life now? Yeah. The ra I thought I was going to be a radio guy. Cause I got really pop. Our show was really popular. I went to all the concerts. Mm -hmm. People knew who I was. I would sell out, you know, doing, um, you know, but you're also when you're in that age, you really you're not thinking too much of the future and like what's the big play here. So okay. to say I've had a grand plan, you know, now looking back, I actually start to feel anxiety of oh shit, oh my god. So we we ended up <laughs> we ended up getting I ended up getting fired from uh, Q95 in Detroit. Okay, had to sell my house, and then I was like, well, I'll just I mean I'll go back to LA, um, and I was still like you know super young but now i had like this a little this fake confidence because i had money not you know not a lot but i had at least i had more than you know a dollar saved opposed to last time uh and i was kind of famous in detroit so i kind of took that attitude back to la so i wasn't like the new guy if that makes any sense did, I had you, did you have representation yeah the, yeah the whole time okay. um then my reps that i had back then uh they said, hey, we're getting rid of everybody. We're, we're going to work for The Tonight Show. Um, so, blah, 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 you're screwed. And then I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And so I'm, I'm skipping out. Like, I booked some commercial. I did some. I was doing some stuff, you know, that right. just enough to keep you going. Doing some, like, I think it, I maybe did a half-hour special. Is that when you did the, the card game? This was before. All The card okay. game was, was kind of before all, all oh, everything okay. that I'm telling you. So now I'm back. And then... I'm back in LA for maybe like five months after I got fired from radio, and then uh, I shot the pilot for Last Comic Standing. It was called Comic House. It was me, Doug Stanhope, Carrie Louise, um, Craig Robinson. No, it was, no. God, I gotta remember. It's pretty. I have it. I'm maybe the only one who has an actual copy of Doug Hand, Doug Stanhope in uh, the Comic House. <laughs> I would. For, I would for last for last comic. I it was called Comic House. How did that not get greenlit? Oh yeah. I mean, I guess it did, but as Last Comic Standing. It was Last Comic, but it was called Comic House, and I shot the pilot for it. So then they had season one. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and but you then I did then I auditioned for season two. Now this is now like a year after radio, and then that then that whole thing so, happened. So, so how did you end up skipping season one if you were in the original pilot? They didn't want for some reason. They were like, no, you just the pilot. Um, it's not not fair, or it's not. Oh, so they didn't have they anyone from the pilot. No, no, nobody. What? How is the how is that comic house different? It was the same. It was the we were in a crazy castle, mm-hmm. different one than how uh, we had. It was the same. It was just a pilot. It's like a pilot presentation that was okay. like a half hour. And then so, how long did you live in the house? Then just for a weekend? Over or? course of a, it was over a course of a weekend. And you did stuff. We were on a bus. Right. You had to get people to show up, and then whoever won it got featured. Like so, you would do all the dumb tasks, and then if you won them. You got to d- your set. You would perform. Would then get aired, like how they did it. So you never okay. performed, and as a like a, as a as winning something, then you could perform on the show, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. It was all geared to trying to get on the show. So who won the pilot presentation? I for, man. You can't tease me with this knowledge, and then. I'm trying to remember <laughs> if it was Stan. No, they had a thing where you just like you had to pass out all these tickets, and the person with the most people who got at the comedy club got to perform. So like a it was a it bringer. Was like a bringer on the thing. So <laughs> I, I don't remember if it was. Um, I don't think it was Stanhope. I don't remember who who the person was. Well, I don't see him doing well in a Barker type no, situation. No, it was like. I watched it with my wife like a couple years ago on VHS tape or whatever. It's really good. Like I wonder if I could get in trouble for uploading it. Well, like what, so what, what did it feel like watching watching that again cuz that's 15 years ago. Yeah, it was con- it was uh it was weird cuz it's foreshadowing cuz there there's some lines in there. Mm-hmm. Like n- now I feel hacky but I went like I went to the thing you you went to this fortune teller mm-hmm. and on the pilot I went I want to be big, like just like the movie right. that's what happened and it got that that was in the in the pilot so but what, so when I was on last comic on my season I did the same joke. <laughs> it's the only time I repeated a joke. But well, but it only aired once, so nobody even yeah, but so nobody saw so the pilot. Nobody yeah. saw the pilot. That doesn't count. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there's a little th- there's a little trivia for you. I John Heffern and Doug Stanhope were. I mean, you could roommates. upload it and then see how long it lasts before it. Uh, that well, last comic out. took all of my last comic um, clips in and uh, filed a thing on my YouTube that I was copyright infringement. Shut really? my YouTube page down for a thing, and I had to fill out some thing, but they took away all the videos, which is bull- like I didn't look, but I'm sure we could find right now if we were to go online, you we could find, find other 700 comics yeah. who are on last comic. But oh. they did a copyright. That's how much they didn't want me to be part of the show or something. Because it was rigged won. for me to win to get a TV show, you know. No, I don't know that. No. That was always the big thing. <laughs> right, that was always the that big, was always a big the thing. Com- well, because comedians always have a conspiracy it was all rigged. theory about any contest. And, they, and if you look at any winner of Last Comic, not one of them has got on TV since Last Comic. Except for Eliza's probably the most consistent. Yeah, she won it, and then she had her own couple of but not on NBC though. Well, right. I walked into a meeting in a couple in, different in, dating shows. And my um, last comic was like, I think we had like 14 million viewers. Mm-hmm. It was like it was rated that big. Like the last one, I think, was like 
did well, but it was like one point something. You know, just the, to show the you the new, difference. The new regime of Last Comic was able to get a um, sell a pilot for Rodman. Oh yeah, did they? Well, I last the, the twenty fourteen winner. Yeah, well, I sold a show. I, I, right after Last Comic, I sold my show to ABC. Oh, okay. Yeah, NBC wanted, but it's weird. We went into a meeting with, hey, here's the, you know, this was kind of like pre, keep in mind, this the, like TV landscape. It was kind of right when reality shows were really taking off. Right, so it's if 2003, you, So if you had like, here's my sitcom about my wife, people are like, fuck you. We're not doing the three dumb three. Yeah. You know, that, that was kind of the, and the, NBC scripted department was like, we don't want anything from NBC non scripted. They literally said that right to our faces. We don't we don't want anything from that side of the aisle. So And then how far did the ABC deal get? We shot uh we had it written. Um we had it w- written. Okay. That's what deal. that did. A scripted, you know, and then we I had another deal with CBS and then I went through a thing where I ended up dancing with every single network and just something like Listen, I would have fucked it up all by myself if it would ever got to mm-hmm. that point, but it never did. It was like writers did something, and then the writers, like I met with one, I won't say their names or even the thing, but they're like, I got this deal at CBS, blah, blah, blah. I met them in Starbucks, and kind of like, hey, we wanted, and they're like, you know what, we write for this big show now, we got yeah. it. Uh, and then the script, they got like, it, you could have been anybody. It was like zero me. Zero my act, mm. zero, you know, like to that thing. I'm not, you know, every comic, nobody's an actor. You, you do stuff that's ex- just your voice or even your material until you figure that out. So, so. Well, it, ha- it has swung around 2013, 2014 into now 2015. It has swung around to where networks seem to be more into semi-autobiographical stand-up yeah. comedian sitcoms. Yeah, it's definitely swinging back around, but then, then you want to be on that curve. So if you're a younger comic or something like that, mm-hmm. then you're gonna be able to ride that. But then there's guys like me that are in between that little wave. When's the last time you tried to pitch p- like a yeah a pitch because you're sitcomy? I mean, I just saw your your headlining act tonight, and it's very relatable. Very, I could I could see a lot of that as episodes. Yeah, it's one of those things. If uh, you wanted to. Yeah, it's just one of those things if you got to convince, like, I'm almost going through a phase um, where, like, I even see younger comics, and then I go, you know what they need to do? (laughs) They need to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what their show is. And they, you know, almost like you're taking that dad role when you're like, I don't even give a shit. I don't even want it to be me anymore. Let me just, like... Becoming like a um, like a boy band creator, and let me just you know create this. Well, I think of like there's comics like Mike Royce, who's now writing and show running for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's a, a stand up. There's a, a female comic. Uh, I don't know if I said uh, female comic. Uh, Th- Sue, that Murphy? Sue that Murphy. That I worked with um, months ago. Just worked her one time, and it was one of those things where I saw her act, and I was just like telling like her, na- her name is Kelsey Cook. Oh, okay. Super funny. You know, doesn't have like is it, you know, like doesn't have that same cadence that everyone has in her story. Like she has some really cool stories about about her like life growing up and family. Right. Where then, as just a bystander, you're like, hey, you should do more about that. You know, like now you're giving that advice. Going, right. You should do more about that. 
put more stuff on you about your parents because even though you as a younger comic you're like well i don't want my whole act to be you have to have your whole act at least for the first punch thrown at la be this where people right. go oh here's your show right this but is who you are yeah and i and i found myself in the green like and then she's got a really unique kind of thing she does and i'm like that's your show you do this it's half scripted you do this this you should be shooting that for youtube now and so but now you feel like like creepy cosby if you're talking to anybody younger you know what i mean she's like i, I there's a moment where i felt now does she just think i'm trying to cosby her Right now, when like mentor, like you can't. So then I just backed off and told my manager to look at her. Okay, well that's y you know what I mean. But but it was one of those. It sucks. You have to. I'm like, eh. But no. I mean, you're talking shop. It's not like you're saying. Come oh, we back, were doing it. In a come back to my yeah, come back to my hotel room yeah, yeah. and audition for me. But I would do that. I see a lot of young. Like I would never be a manager or any of that because mm -hmm. you know I don't even know how those people have to evolve now. They're not the same. At you know. As they right. were when they in the eighties and stuff, but I got zero problem. Like no, I mean, managers and, agen managers and agents are, I mean, at least right now, they have to look at Instagram and Vine and go see the potential in someone who's making six second looping videos. And yeah. Go, well, this person. I got. I've can gotten. Sell. I've gotten that told before. You need to do this more on Vine or Periscope. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, what? Periscope is big too. Yeah. But I'm just like, yeah, what? I, I got to entertain people. On the every comics I see, it's them driving to the comedy store, <laughs> and it's bo it's so boring, it's stupid. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, are we that egotistical to think that it we need need to? I don't. I decided that I did not need to learn Snapchat. Um, no, I just it has no value for me. No, I yeah, I don't have. I can't. Uh, I mean, we're uh, the same age, so it's yeah. not like I don't need to do this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, you're. But your act, your stand-up act, is still totally rela relatable. It seems like you put a lot of effort into making sure you're hitting everybody in the room. Yeah, that's always been kind of my thing is to is do that broad stroke thing. Where did that Where did that come from? It always has, and it's always benefited me. It's kind of one of those things where you just stay in that lane. Mm -hmm. I've always been a cleaner comic. I'll drop f bombs, but none of my like bits are dirty, dirty. You know, they're all, they can all be done in front of like a 11 year old. Did you, did, did that come, did that get handed down to you by it's anyone that you worked with or, it's just or from listening I've stuff as a kid? I, because when I was starting out and I was super, you know, not clean, but cleanish, where I'd get a lot of work as a, as a host because mm -hmm. I was clean. And then after that, I would get a lot of work at colleges because I was clean. Uh, and then it just kind of always there was all I just saw the benefit. Not that I, you know, there's not a clean versus dirty thing. I've just right. it's kind of like doing a musical style, and you're just so used to doing a certain thing that if you switch it, mm -hmm. like I I don't even know. This is like I don't know the answer to this. Like if you saw me and people who see me are used to seeing that. If let's say the next time they see me, I'm really political or really dirty. Right now, did I just piss on? my fan base i don't know the answer to that some people would go who gives a fuck just do whatever but right it's one thing to be misleading in an individual joke but if you're misleading in your whole act if yeah if you're suddenly if you bizarro world or something like that well i feel like bob saget is a guy who he had a period of several years where every stand-up audience was surprised that he wasn't 
yeah. full house guy. And then eventually, care. eventually hit that tipping point yeah. where they realized, oh no, he really is this other guy. Yeah. And the full house was an aberration. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed just doing what like I'm not, you know, I've never been shock guy. I've never been hey, right. I'm gonna go after this. Hey, did I? Yeah. You did go on a tour with uh with with other guys before like Joe Rogan and yeah I did Charlie uh, Murphy, so I mean, a long time ago that could have been your crew yeah yeah could have been it was uh with those guys were great you know um it could have been if I would have stuck to it I guess or been cooler to hang out with if they would have wanted or something I don't know so you're you're putting the blame on you putting the blame on me why not okay. I'm pretty boring oh yeah so so circling back you started at eighteen what how did you start that? Did you just go stand-up comic or bust? Or Yeah, I did. Uh, in, once again, I'm age of myself, but this was pre-Comedy Central. There was no, you know, you saw a comic on, like, The Tonight Show. That was the only place. Mm. Um, and maybe HBO, you start seeing, like, Paula Poundstone or Louis Anderson or some of the people, young comedian specials. Um, and uh, there was a comedy club by where I went to college that you could be 18 to get in. And we just did it just because what other options do you have when you're 18? And you just watch open mics. Isn't and then a race car driver? Yeah, yeah. And then you saw just enough open mics where you were like, I think I could do this, you know? And then I, I've told the story before, but we sat in this waitress's section who was just gorgeous. And every week we'd just sit there just to stare at her. And then she came over and said, hey, you guys ever going to go up? And we were like, yes, probably. And then she came back, and she goes, what's your guys' names? And we gave her our names. Now we're just talking to her. This is the most we've right. ever talked to her. And she came back and said, you guys are on for next Tuesday. And that waitress was uh, Lucy Liu. Oh, wow. Yeah, the actress Lucy Liu. She and so she, and then she quit like two weeks later or something, so we never talked to her again. But it would be weird if I saw her, because she completely pushed me into well, this direction. Well, she lives here in New York City, so. And we're managed by the same people. But I don't... Uh, I would never want to meet her, to be honest with you. I wonder if she's, like, douchey, mm. and then my whole life would be a sham. I kind of like that I never talked to her. What about th what about the other the other guys at your table? Who, uh, no. Who just, yeah, no. Who I just wanted I was to be the, the, the open yeah. mic to see Lucy. Yeah, I was the only one who ended up doing it. Yeah. Okay. And and when you, when you envisioned what your life was going to be like, what were you envisioning then? It wasn't a plan. I, my, my plan was to graduate from college and it, I think get a like a marketing degree and stuff because was kind of like the plan. But then by so the you didn't envision this at all. No, it's just one of those things where you're like, I'm so deep in. What do I got? <laughs> you know, there were I mean, there were a couple times where you're like, what am I doing? But it's always been nice ebbs and flows. So right about the time, you know, this is way back when you mm -hmm. thought you're going to bail or what do I do? Something you get something, you know? You get a half hour special, yeah. and then you go, oh, that'll change everything, and then you do that, and nothing changes, and then, then the yep. Billy Gardell was telling me the story. Actually, in here at Gotham, he was telling me the story about how he was ready to go back to radio in Pittsburgh. He was going to Pittsburgh. I ran into him at a at Jerry's Deli, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm going moving my family back to Pittsburgh." Steve Byrne had the same thing, and he was moving back to Chicago, or I I think that's where where he was from. He was just going, and then he got his show. So you just gotta hang in there. Yeah, it's just what, yeah. What's so what what is the last uh what is the last great advice another comedian or anybody has given you that's kinda stuck with you? 
You know what? Larry Miller, to, like way back in the day, I was in, working with him in Chicago. He was like, um, I was like, how do you get an angel? How do you do da 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 da? You know, like all those questions everyone asked. And he was just like, just be funny and people will find you. That's like, just that should be your concern. You know, because I get that all the time. You get the host that features like, yeah. hey, can I, how do you get an agent? And then you see their act and you're like, kind of the last thing you need to be worried about right now. But you know what, what? What's also great is you could literally create your own stuff now that you couldn't when I like when I first started. To, my first CD to get made was such a pain in the ass because right. people are editing. You had to pay like crazy money, and then you had to find a way to get it. Like now, you know, you can literally record a CD with your phone and edit it on your phone and use TuneCore and have it up on on Apple by you know two days later. Like so, that right, this te this technology that we're using right now didn't exist. Didn't exist. Or there's a girl I don't I don't know her, but she just got to deal with HBO for a comedy, and she's just a like not like a YouTube star that mm -hmm. has content that's like funny. She does stuff, and so now you have that as an option if you wanted. You could create that type of content online, and that's where a lot of that's where people are going now. So that's still there. So that's new. That you know. So what do you? So I know you have plenty of advice for your audience members who are 22. <laughs> what what advice do you give? What's the first thing you say to a 20, 22-year-old aspiring comedian? Usually the most advice, uh, I like how to perf perform in one, because I'll never tell them how to write their jokes, but it's, uh, and this is just a pet peeve of mine, mm -hmm. uh, so I feel the need to, is to stop asking questions to the audience. Mm -hmm. Nothing bugs me more than, how many people have cats? Here's my cat joke. How many people, who, who, you guys ever seen, how many people done, you guys have, like, just after every, for some reason, that, that bugs me. Who's ready for your headliner? Are you guys, oh, oh, you're not start, ready for Are you guys headline? in a good time? Okay. Come on, you can do better than that. Where are my tequila drinkers? Like, all those, you don't need to ask any of that. The, the audience gets zero participation. <laughs> you tell them how they're feeling. You tell them, like, they, they don't get to dictate. It's not a choose-your-own-adventure. They don't get to, s you know, they don't get to say shit. So... Well, I'm not going to ask you if you enjoyed this. I will just uh, tell you that it was enjoyable. It was so thank very you. enjoyable. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, I'm John. I'm going to go back to crunching. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.